Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Once again, we have Avery hiding under there. I'm Carlos at Equity Run. Joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. Good morning. And Reed at Pac-10. Reed. I thought last week was the last time. Maybe we should just go with that. I can I can leave. No? Uh, so Greg and Matt not here today. Greg out enjoying himself. Matt Hubertson says he won't come back until Utah beats Oregon and Washington uh, this season. So we will wait for that. But uh, shout out to those joining us live on YouTube. Like the video. Send us in your comments and thoughts and subscribe to the channel. We are at We are so close to 250 subscribers, and we promise, we promise that at 250 subscribers, you will get to vote on one host who will eat incrementally hot sauces throughout an entire episode. By my last count, we're just 15 15 subscribers away. So if we get 15 subscribers, we will make someone suffer on live stream. So please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Podcast listeners, we have not forgotten about you. Thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, Be sure to follow us, uh, follow the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rate us five stars on Apple and Spotify. We'll, we'll read your reviews uh, if you've got them. And of course, we have extra Pac-12 content for you on Patreon. Weekly previews of the Pac-12 football slate come out every Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, this week, we're previewing week eight of Pac-12 football on our Patreon. That'll feature Utah, USC. Big game there. Sneaky game, Wazoo, Oregon. UCLA, Stanford. Letdown game, maybe. Arizona State, Washington. Uh, it'll be a nice, fun slate next week, so go subscribe to get that for $5 at NoTruckStops.com. Last, last bit of news here. Basketball season's back, uh, and so are we. I wrote a long-ass basketball preview on uh, – we have a blog, apparently. Uh, we never use it, but I did write something there. It's super long, super comprehensive. I put a lot of work into it, so if you want to make me feel good, go read it and then tell me what you liked or didn't like. People are already sending in their comments. It's been super helpful and super great. If you're looking to catch up on what's happened over the past year in Pac-12 Hoops and what the rest of the league looks like, go check that out. It's my pinned tweet on my Twitter page, at Equity Brun. And then we are starting our basketball episodes on October 25th, 10 days from right now on Wednesdays. We're going live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to talk Pac-12 basketball every week. Uh, and then when football seasons end, uh, we'll come back and talk Sundays at 9 a.m. or, you know, another t- time that seems to make sense for us. Anyway, that's all that news. Uh, let's move on. Talk some Pac-12 football. Are you ready, Reed? No. Let's talk. Let's start <laughs> with an instant classic with Washington beating Oregon. Avery, recap this game for us. Washington beat Oregon in the series' first ever top 10 matchup, 36-33 in Seattle, thanks to another fantastic game from Michael Penix, Roma Dunze, and the crew. This game was eerily similar to last year's game in a lot of ways, except this time it was Washington who was in control for most of the game. The Huskies took a 29-18 lead in the third quarter, and just when it looked like UW was about to put this game away, Oregon rallied back thanks to some incredible play from Bo Nix and Bucky Irving and a couple great stops from their defense and eventually took the Ducks to a 33-29 lead. The Ducks had the lead and the ball with just over two minutes left, and just like last year, Oregon was tasked with holding the ball and bleeding the clock. And just like last time, they moved the ball down the field quite easily before Oregon running back Jordan James slipped on a crucial third down play. And just like (laughs) last year, Tan Landing chose to go for it on fourth down to end the game rather than punt it away. And just like last year, the Ducks (laughs) did not convert, resulting in the Huskies getting a chance to take the lead. Mike Penix led the two-play pl- two 53-yard touchdown drive that gave Washington a 36-33 lead. But did they score too fast? 
Oregon got the ball back with 90 seconds and a timeout and moved the ball down the field to set up a shot at a game-tying field goal. It looked like we were getting free football. Veteran kicker Camden Lewis lined up for a short 43-yard kick, and oh no, oh fuck, he missed, leaving the Huskies the victor for the second straight year. Thank you for that. Uh, my favorite part of this was like, oh, I wrote a, I, I wrote this because uh, you were supposed to write it, and then uh, I wrote this preview, and you're like, no, 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 I'll just... It's fine. Just do it. And I was like, no, no, use your, use your write-up. You do it. And she was like, okay, cool. Just leave yours in the comments so I can use it. And then she just copy and pastes mine in the <laughs> comment. Uh, what she added here is, oh, no, oh, fuck, he missed. <laughs> I added a couple things. <laughs> yours was good. I really like the part where it says, just like last year, just like last year, yeah, just like last yeah. time. That was yeah. my favorite part. God, yeah. This was this was an incredible game. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about this game and how we feel about it generally. But... Let's first talk about Washington. Reed, uh, this is not torture. You wanted to start. I warned you we were starting with Washington. So let's start with Washington. What did you think of Washington's performance in this classic? Yeah, I'll, I'll move my heartbreak aside for a second. Um, I think my biggest thing is, like, I sadly have a ton of respect for Washington, what Washington did on Saturday. I think the comparisons to last year are, are certainly funny. And especially in the last five minutes, like they're pretty Im- impressive and surprising, like how much those games line up. But overall, uh, this just felt like Washington's day, like from the beginning. Uh, I think despite the fact that it was really closely battled, like I was just impressed by the all in effort that the Washington program had into this game. Like it started with game day in the morning and the energy there and like, you know, just how confident they were to start this game, I think played out over the course of it. Uh, And in contrast to last year, I felt like Washington was going to win this game almost the whole way, despite how close it was. Uh, And, you know, that switch switch back in the final five minutes again. And we saw the replay of last year, but overall, I think we're missing the fact, if you just try to say it's the same thing happened over again, that Washington's a much better team than they were last year. Uh, this game, like, they had more control over the confidence that they showed. Again, how much they were distributing the ball to, you know, Adunze and Polk, even though Jalen McMillan was down, who was, you know, an awesome player who his absence wasn't even really felt in this game somehow. Uh, their defense came up with big stops when they needed to, uh, you know, last year, Oregon was able to run the ball in between the tackles when, whenever they wanted, it felt like, uh, this year they weren't able to do that. You know, that last possession, it, it should have been able to bleed out the fourth down before the, uh, end of the first half, like Oregon should have been able to score that last year. They probably would have this year, Washington showed up and got those stops. Uh, so has to go to Washington and what was kind of an all-time day, a program-defining day early in Kalen DeBoer's tenure, and, I mean, probably one of the best Washington home games in decades. Uh, You know, I'm not probably qualified to say that, but it seems like that's the feel coming from Husky Twitter. Yeah, it was – the environment was absurd. Uh, This was like – I can hear it through my TV that that was like – a, a, a raucous environment. Uh, this is an 
an incredible performance from Washington in this one. Grapes, what did you think of Washington's performance against Oregon? I will say I have been very critical of Washington, but I think a part of that is the trust issues I have from 2021. Like they fucked me over a little bit there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So ever since last year and then this year, I've been like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if their defense is good enough. But I think it's clear now to say that their defense is like just good enough, if not like, okay, good. I have a hard time saying that, but they're good to get it done and be an elite program. And like, this is the best team in the Pac-12. It's not a question now. I don't think they're, I don't even know if they're in the same tier as the teams below them. Like they might be a tier ahead of everyone else. I I was very, I was very impressed with Washington this game. Like the questions I had about them are gone for the most part. There's always going to be conversations about how mobile Michael Penix is, but as I was yelling at Carlos all day yesterday, that's just who he is as a player. Everybody knows that. Like, it's not a question we've known since Indiana, but like this team is genuinely very good. And it makes me so excited because like I see a path where we get a Pac-12 team in the playoff, which is something that we've been waiting for for eight years I, it was a great game. It was a ton of fun to watch. Your point about Washington's defense, I think that's the – they don't win this game if they don't at least have a workable defense. Um, they are – in per SP Plus, they have the number one offense in the country per SP Plus. They have the number 28 defense. Like, that's pretty de- – that's, that's, that's pretty close to being good, like straight up good. And we talked about with Washington – I mean, we talked about this with a ton of teams this year. Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, like – if any of these teams uh, developed a, a decent offense, like it doesn't have to be elite, but just a pretty good one, they're going to be able to transcend into into a different tier. And Washington kind of did that. Um, they played defense when they had to. The most important thing Washington did, look, we knew Washington was going to score. We can talk about the receivers in the passing game. We absolutely will. We have, we have to. But the the thing that really changed the game for me was explosive plays. Washington did not give up very many explosive plays to Oregon. Uh, Oregon's explosive play rate was just 6%. That's bottom 26th percentile. That's bad. Uh, They had five explosive plays off 94 yards. When you look at some of the – dig into some of the stats here, I think they really kind of tell you something about this game. Uh, Total plays, 94. 94 plays for Oregon, just 70 for Washington. And that's because Washington was just scoring on explosive plays, as we have said uh, they would all season, right? I think this game was super fascinating to me just because we got, like, these two teams did what they have done all season, right, against one another. It wasn't – neither of them played an uncharacteristic game. They played exactly the way they have been playing all season. And Washington's explosive play rate, I think, and their ability to get explosive plays, to take shots downfield – is what propelled them, but their ability to limit those too, right? They weren't getting gashed for 20-yard runs from Bucky Irving. They weren't uh, getting hurt by Troy Frank- Franklin, you know, uh, uh, yards after the catch sort of situation. They did a pretty good job of keeping everything in front of them. Yes, Oregon scored uh, considerably, but they had to work for it, right? Even the opening drive for Oregon was 14 plays. It took like eight, nine minutes, something ridiculous like that. It looked super hard. Um, and I credit Washington for that. Uh, I think when we talk about these games between two offensive juggernauts, you know, you've got to make them make them work for it. Uh, and Washington did that. Um, offensively, they're a fucking nightmare. Uh, I, I like they are they are scary good. Um, they I, I have said and have been steadfast for like six weeks now that all right, Washington's offense is elite, but I'd still put them behind USC. Washington's offense is awesome. I'd still put them behind USC. I can't say that anymore. 
That's not true. Uh, it's just not. Uh, USC's offense, we'll get into that, is a bit of a disaster. But more importantly, Washington's offense is unstoppable. Um, Mike Penix actually started to get some uh, plays down when he was under pressure. He did. There was a moment there where he was looking pretty shaky with some pressure in his face. Brandon Dorless was getting through. Uh, the uh, Washington's offensive line started to crumble a little bit. They picked things back up, but mostly Mike Penix was making passes and making plays with pressure in his face uh, when he absolutely needed to. Roma Dunze, fucking incredible. Jalen Polk, fucking incredible players. Roma Dunze in particular, just like uh, an absurd, absurd offensive player. So, yeah, Washington in, is, is in a different tier to me. Um, not from Oregon. Uh, we can get into that a little bit later, but they look they look really good. They look awesome. I don't know if you all had any other thoughts about Washington, their offense, their defense. I read it looks like you've got something to say. Yeah, I think they're the what makes them so hard to stop is that a lot of what they do happens pre-snap. Like they're so well schemed. Yeah. They go into it. Penix assesses things. He makes some checks. And then he says, Okay, where's my matchup? Where's my read? I'm gonna throw that ball 70% of the time. And it doesn't matter what the coverage is because the ball's gonna be placed really fucking well. Like some of the <laughs> best throws you'll ever see. And Adunze and Polk are going to make a play on the ball more times than not. Um, it's just it's just really hard to stop. And even the fact that I don't think Washington's offensive line is elite. Uh, you know, like you said, Oregon got some pressure at times. But a lot of the times, Penix is throwing the ball so fast that, you know, there are plays there where it's like, shit, we could have had our linebacker as a free rusher not even getting touched by someone. And he's still not going to get home in time because Penix just is going to throw it up. And God damn it, he's going to get blasted a half second after he throws it. And the ball's still going to land perfectly in the basket for a top 10 wide receiver in the country. Uh, you know, regardless of who it is, if it's a Dunze, <laughs> yeah, like top yeah. three or whatever, you know. Um, I mean, that just is is really hard to stop. I think that, uh, you know, Washington also, like, it, it's about them more than anything. Occasionally, they will miss those throws a few times in a row because there is a little bit of variance there. Uh, and and ultimately, I, I think that, like, they proved they're legit in this game. I think they proved that their offense can scale up to anyone. I think that also we know about their offense. They probably are going to get stopped three or four times in a game. Uh, they kind of do that, and that's a, a pretty good rate, but, like, it forces the other team's offense to be absolutely perfect. And I think the difference this year is their defense is a lot better. Another difference is Dylan Johnson is a much better running back than they had last year. Uh, he fits the system well. He's a physical runner. He adds that like another dimension to them that they really did not have a year ago. Uh, and, and just like overall... I mean, everything across the board is 20% better than last year too. Everyone's 20% more comfortable, 20% more developed. Like it's, it's just really hard to stop. I don't know what happens if they like, if they play anyone, I don't know who can hold them under 30 points. Yeah, that's a great point. I sort of think, I mean, this game was kind of validation for Washington uh, validation. You know, it's, we talked, we talked about this with, kind of Utah in their Pac-12 title game, that the 2022 uh, Pac-12 championship game was um, 
kind of validation for their 2021 Pac-12 championship. This sort of feels similar. Like 2022, this 2023 Washington win over Oregon feels like validation over not just their win over Oregon last season, but uh, their entire season last season, right? I think some of us not, I mean, I went back and forth with this. Matt was in my head. Matt Hubertson was saying that Washington was a fraudulent team and like they were going to kind of get exposed. I think it's pretty clear that they aren't fraudulent. And maybe last year they weren't quite as clean, but it was the first year they went 10-2 and two under Kalen DeBoer. This year they're, they they look like the best team in the country. Um, they look quite unstoppable. Um, and to your point, Reed, 100 po- like 100 yards on the ground, it's not great. They're not like – they're not Oregon or Oregon State where they're just going to beat you with their run game. They're not going to do that. But it did enough to complement what they're doing offensively, right? Like it did enough to get them four, five, six yards when they absolutely needed to. Hundred yards off twenty carries, like that's that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, this offense is going to be hard to stop, especially again, Reed. I just want to underscore this idea that like they're getting the ball out fast, and they're not getting out the ball out fast in the way that you might expect, where it's like Washington State or even in Oregon, where it's like okay, they're going to get the ball out fast. There's a guy two, three yards down the pass line of scrimmage. They're getting the the ball out fast, like fifteen, twenty, twenty five uh, yards downfield. It's it's ludicrous. Avery, you had you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, with the I wanted to point out with the rushing game, like there's literally another team in the state of Washington that we think has a good passing game, and their biggest fault is the lack of a rush game. So it just shows like how even having yeah. a pulse there makes the biggest difference. Obviously, Washington State doesn't have the same wide receiver depth, but like it's it's like. I imagine Washington State would be sort of this way if they had any sort of run game. But they did all of this without Jalen McMillan, which I I think we need to continuously point out. That's fucking crazy that their wide receiver room is this deep. And I think what we're seeing from Washington is what people expected from USC preseason. Like, I think it's the exact same thing. Obviously... USC's defense is much worse. Their offensive line is terrible. But going into the season, I think we're especially Carlos was, hey, their defense might not be bad. Hey, their (laughs) O-line might not be bad. That's this is Washington. Washington should be getting all the hype that USC got. And I I'll admit, I don't watch non like non Pac-12 football. So I don't know what's going on out there in the ether. But I can't imagine there's a team that you can pencil in as beating Washington. Is there Reed? No, are they favored? Would they be on a neutral site? Like, would there be any team in in the country that would be favored over Washington? Uh, probably. They're probably not number one right now, but they're within a touchdown of any team on a neutral site. Definitely. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, like Georgia has it has this quality where in big games it just feels like if you don't meet a certain threshold they kill you but the thing that's scary about Washington and I think is notably different than USC we saw it on Saturday very clearly is it it feels like it doesn't matter the line of scrimmage advantage you might have over their (laughs) offensive line like it who cares they just get the ball out It, it it's almost like they're playing seven on seven football out there you know uh, and with the receivers that they have and the quarterback they have, they have a really fucking good seven on seven team and, and their O-line isn't terrible, but, um, you know, that's where everyone looks at when you go play a SEC team, when you go play Georgia, that's the advantage that they're going to have over you. And Washington's scheme does a, a really good job of neutralizing that advantage. I wish that Washington was playing UCLA this year so God, bad would be fascinating oh my gosh it would be fascinating these teams are so lucky they miss out 
on playing UCLA. Like, we'll get to UCLA, but I would fucking love to watch Washington play against UCLA's defense because I think that's the closest they'll get to, like, seeing one of those, like, Georgia um, in the Pac-12. Obviously, it's not the same, but, like, it's the closest. I don't even think Utah is on the same level as UCLA, so it's it's very sad that we don't get that game. Especially in the past game. Yeah, I think it's going to be super interesting. Weaknesses, though? I, I mean, look, Washington's not a perfect team. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a little more skeptical about their, their line, their defensive line in particular, their linebackers. Uh, I, I think they did get pushed around a little bit by Oregon. Like, I think that is a real, you know, it's, it's something to watch out for. Now, I don't know that they're going to play as talented uh, of a line and run game. Uh, as Oregon uh, the rest of the way, maybe in like a playoff situation nationally. So, uh, you know, if they have to play Oregon again in Las Vegas, we could talk a little bit about that, but uh, they won't have to do that again. But it, it is something to watch out for. Um, their secondary, I think, is uh, it, it stepped up, but I think they have some problems too. Um, Oregon is not the kind of team that is, because they haven't been all season, um, they're not the kind of team that's going to be able to take advantage of that and really exploit that. It's going to be interesting to see what they do against some uh, more pass-happy teams. So we'll see. I, I don't know. They're not a perfect team, but they're a really damn good one. Um, and they're they're they should be they should be. I don't know. They look like the best team in the country. When I've like watched truck stops way back in the day, like <laughs> this team looks looks better than some of those teams. So um, my question to you all, I'm going to ask this really really quick. <laughs> Let's get weird. Uh, they beat. What, how how much here? What would the spread be if they played twenty sixteen Washington right now? Um, twenty twenty three Washington 2023 versus twenty sixteen UW. Washington's favored by. I don't know. I mean, point spreads are weird. I, I'd love to say that they're favored by like ten, but I think it's probably more like four or five. Okay, but you'd pick twenty twenty three UW over uh, yeah yeah twenty sixteen Washington. I I think I would. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I mean, this 2023 Washington, like we've said, hasn't played like an elite defense. 2016 Washington was an elite defense. Their secondary was good. So I I don't know exactly what would happen, but um feels hard to say that, that 2016 would win for me. Grapes, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I'd probably pick 2023 to win just because they have the better offense. Like, I get that 2016 defense was really fucking good. Yeah. But it's just like, I, it's hard for me to imagine, like, a defense, any defense, shutting down this offense to the point where they would be able to stay in the game with them. Yeah, I'd probably go with 2023. I'm bad at spreads, so. though. Yeah, I, I think I'd pick I'd pick 2023 Washington over 2016 UW. I mean, I just, you know. God, I don't know. This, the <laughs> offense is, I mean, I get that. I mean, it'd be a fun matchup. But, like, I always favor a good offense over a good defense, especially when the other team, like, Washington's offense in 2016 was pretty good, you know, enough to get them into a playoff. But it wasn't great. Uh I don't know. I just, they've got, the problem is, is that with like, I get that Washington secondary was so good, but can they go like five or six deep in their, in their, like in their corners, defensive backs? Like, I don't know. Like I completely forgot, completely forgot. When I talk about Washington, I've completely forgotten about Jaws Jackson. I forgot that he was just, and he fucking owns. Like he's another one. It's like Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, Giles Jackson, Jalen McMillan, (laughs) Jeremy Bernard. Injury. (laughs) Like calm the fuck on. Like this is ridiculous. Um, Jeremy Bernard barely played, and he might be their most talented receiver. It's like 
I don't know Washington that 2016 Washington has the guns to to keep up. So anyway, uh, so I just thought I'd do that because we're getting into territory where this might be the best Washington team of all time. Uh, we're, we're really approaching that territory and we're going to have to start talking about it as long as they stay unscathed. Let's go on to the Oregon side of this. Oregon loses a fucking heartbreaker for the second year in a row to, to Washington. There are Dan Lanning's now 0-3 against his rivals. You're going to hear that a lot on Twitter. This, uh, this was, but I, I've had my, my initial thinking and I'll kick it over to Reed to you to start. My initial thinking is feel I, feel, I respect Oregon more after this game than I did coming into it. I don't know how you felt, Reed. Yeah, I think you can look at this game like from two perspectives for Oregon. It's like there's the power rating perspective, like the raw quality of the team. What do we think about them leaving it? And and I can agree with you and say like, yeah, if this game was if I got to see this game in a simulation somewhere and it didn't actually matter for the season. I would say, oh, I kind of feel better about Oregon after seeing that game. But the fact of the matter is, like, you care about how good of a team Oregon is for their ability to beat Washington. You know, like the only reason it matters how good we feel about Oregon is how good we feel about their ability to win the conference. And like the main obstacle to that is winning a game like this. And they just fucking lost. So, like, that's what I have to focus on first and foremost. Um, yeah, it was it was a brutal loss. Like Oregon, very similar to last year, just didn't finish in the last few plays. Lost a lot of the key moments on the road against a really good team. Yada, yada. I don't know. Uh, this one's going to sting for sure. Uh, there's so many things you can nitpick about it. Uh, I think like I'm not huge critic of the aggressive like style of landing i think that it puts you in position to win a lot of times i didn't love some of the play calls i didn't love how some of those moments were set up but in a vacuum like going for those fourth downs wasn't a big deal to me Uh, i understood those plays there were just so many moments in this game honestly where it felt like felt like both teams won and lost this game multiple times honestly like I felt like at the end of the half, Oregon got that stop. They were setting up for a touchdown. Felt like Oregon won the game kind of when they got that stop and were, were about to take a lead and then get the ball coming out of half. And then or, and then Washington came through and got the stop. And then they got a three and out, and they won the game, it felt like. And they built that 11-point lead or whatever it was early in the third quarter. And I think you even tweeted, Carlos, like this game looks like it's over for Washington. And it kind of did. And Oregon, to their credit, surged back like a you know a real championship team for a stretch in that third quarter, early early fourth. And Oregon won the game again. It, it looked like you know, and they were in control. And Washington came back, and then Oregon got the stop on fourth down, and then Washington got the stop on fourth down, and it just seesawed back and forth. But um, as much as you can look at this game and say it's even and say, oh, if there were two more minutes on the clock, if you make the field goal, if you convert a fourth down, it's like these results matter. You know, that's that's why we care about the sport is to like actually build up to these games and see what happens in them. And ultimately, that win and loss carries a lot of weight. And going forward, you know, a year from now in the off season or whatever, or, or five years from now, people aren't going to remember that Oregon controlled this game 
with two minutes left or whatever, like people remember what happened, what the final result was. And like, that's what matters most for Oregon and they didn't get it done. I want to, I'm going to ask this of grapes here. Our homie Tyler in the chat brings up a, a really good point here is that Oregon's been aggressive all year and people are, he says, Oregon has been aggressive all year. People are only critical when, when it doesn't work. LOL. Grapes. I mean, Dan Landing is getting kind of kind of killed again on Twitter. He, I mean, he got killed last year on Twitter for going for it on fourth down uh, instead of punting it and trying to pin Washington deep. Washington comes back and scores. He did it again this year. Uh, what did What did you think of uh, Dan Landing's decision to go for it on these fourth downs, be aggressive as he has been? I'm critical when it does work. To be fair, uh, <laughs> no, I'm trying. I'm really trying hard to self reflect here because I've conditioned. I've been conditioned by Utah football my entire life <laughs> to believe that being aggressive is bad, and you need to play Trust the most conservative game of all time. Punt it and let your defense get the stop. <laughs> so I'm like trying to break down that way of thinking because I. I was definitely shitting on Dan Lanning. I also fucking hate Dan Lanning. I think he's annoying. So that's part of it. No, you have to trust analytics. Like I get it. You're a coach. You have so many decisions you have to make throughout the game. Like it's good to rely on the analytics. And I think it is good to be aggressive because it puts you in the situations to win the game. And I think that's great. It gives me a heart attack every time if it's a team I'm cheering for, but like it's your prerogative. Go for it. I do think people are extra critical when yeah, I do like seeing good punts in the YouTube chat. I love <laughs> fucking love 60-yard punts. Um, but yeah, like I, I think it puts you in the position to win. I think it is more frustrating after the fact when a coach should have been aggressive. Like I, I immediately think of Arizona last week against USC not being aggressive in overtime. I, I'm more critical of not being aggressive when you need to be. So I guess like being aggressive across the board is something I have to respect, even if I think it's crazy to go for two against an FCS team. Like, know when to be aggressive. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk about Bucky Irving. I love Bucky Irving. He's, He's so good. I hate admitting that because Reed's so fucking annoying. But <laughs> Bucky Irving is really good and he's really fun to watch. And there were moments in this game where I was like, man, he's he's like picking up the entire Oregon offense and putting them on his back yes. and keeping them in this game. Like he was the spark that they needed so many times to stay in the game. And he did it. Like he would carry defenders. He would get eight yards off of a play that probably should have gotten one or two yards. Yep. It, it's incredible to watch. Like he's truly fantastic. And for me, obviously you have Michael Penix, but for me, as someone who doesn't believe in giving, giving quarterbacks offensive player of the year, I think Bucky Irving should be in contention for that award. He's really fantastic to watch. I, I really enjoyed how he played in this game. Yeah. He had big, like, little engine that could injure i mean he's a small guy he's he's like yeah. he's like cameron scadaboo if cameron scadaboo were just like 10 times faster and shiftier which is crazy um he's he's a great player i think i mean their run game kind of kept him in this in this game generally right jordan james played pretty well too he, he had a great game uh in this one i i it, this thing about Oregon, the decision-making, just to come back to that, uh, I have zero problems with any other decision. I think there was one decision where it's like, where I, where I sort of go back and say like, uh, you know, and even at the time, I was like, I'm not really sure. And that was that uh, decision at halftime to um, go for it on fourth down rather than kick a field goal and take the points. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but that game would have gone to overtime had they done that. Um, or the if they did that in the third quarter when they were down 11. Yeah. Yeah. Right. On like the 
three yard line or something like that. Right. And so you get to some of these decisions at the margins that honestly, they're, those decisions are 50 50, right? It's not like with Jet Fish where it's like, damn, dude, like you've got a real shot to win this game. It's not a 50 50 decision here. At the end, right? Uh, fourth down, with the ability to close the game out, you absolutely 100%, like analytics be damned, and the analytics actually agree with this. You absolutely put the ball in your own hands to try to end the game. You have to end like you can end the game. Like <laughs> you know, I know that that you know it's like going back to the Avery you trust in your defense thing. Why trust in your defense when you can trust you in your do offense? That, yeah, yeah. Why <laughs> trust in your defense when you should trust in your offense to get two three yards? Like you're telling me you can't trust your offense to get two three yards? They didn't get it. Uh, it was an incomplete pass in the end. I think is what what ended up sinking them. But you absolutely trust in your offense, Dan Lanning. I think Dan Lanning is getting killed for that decision by like old head football guys who are like, just in your defense, play field position. Fuck that. He made the great, he made a right decision. It did not pan out. It did not work out. It didn't work out two times in a row. Um, So, so yeah, Grapes, you had a coaching, coaching comment here. Yeah. I think it's really easy to say, trust in your defense. You're playing Michael Penix and 70 incredible wide receivers. Like it's not about trusting in your defense. It's about, we saw him at the end of the game, a two play, 53-yard drive in about 40 seconds. Yeah, like, if they can do that, it doesn't matter how fucking good your defense is. Like, do not let the best player in this game back on the field. Um, But what I was going to say about coaching is, I know it's hard to console, like, find ways to console Oregon fans after this game because you didn't win, but if Mario Cristobal was your coach, you would have not been in this game. (laughs) He would have bungled this game in the first half. So, like, at least there's that. Mario Cristobal would have done some crazy shit in this game you wouldn't have been in it late in the game. Well, I think that the crux of those decisions is that like you talk about how good Penix and those receivers were and they, at, that's 100% true. Oregon also got, you know, forced two, three and outs and got that turnover on downs with the fourth and goal stand in the second half. And like the root of it is Lanning didn't trust his defense to do that. You know, if he could have, if someone had told him, hey, you're going to get three stops in the second half, he probably would have been like, okay, I don't have to take this high leverage fourth down, two high leverage fourth down risks. I can probably pocket those field goals and have have more comfort going forward. But how can you trust your defense to do that? Uh, and, and yet they came through and did it and put Oregon in a position to still be in it in the end. It's true. My issue is is more with the play calls uh and i don't want to like get into that too much but i mean a few things there uh were missed for sure i thought at the end of the half they had a timeout in the bag you know three yards out on a third and goal i would love to see a run first and just you know can you get it or can you get to one yard and make it easier there um also, the play call on that fourth and goal, very similar to the play call on the final fourth down for Oregon, was this kind of rollout thing where they left all their options on one side of the field, super condensed, and, and didn't really trust Nix to sit in the pocket and read the defense. But on the other side, the the other fourth down that Oregon didn't convert within the Washington 10 early in the or late in the third quarter, uh Nick's had had Treshawn Holden wide open over the middle, wide open, and he just threw it to he just stuck with his read, threw a tight ball to Troy Franklin, it got broken up. Some of those plays, like just a little more patience and a culture of just like trust Nick's to sit in the pocket, read the defense, make the throw on a big down, 
would have made a huge difference. Like even that whole last drive for Oregon, Washington committed so many guys to the box and Oregon refused to just like, okay, if you're going to do that, we're going to compromise on our identity, sit back and make some throws. And that's a, that's a huge advantage in football, right? Like Washington on the other side, you could not find a team that has more confidence in their quarterback to make the correct read, throw the ball perfectly and have their receivers go up and get it, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is, but this is the, (laughs) this is the real limiting flaw of Oregon's offense is that either through play calling or through some timidity from uh, Bo Nix, their, their ability to get and hunt explosive plays or their willingness to whatever it is, it's limited. And it, it did hurt them in this game. They were in position to win, but it did hurt, right? That they weren't able to generate explosive plays when they absolutely needed to, that they weren't able to get off the field, that they, you know, got into situations where they were having to just six yards, six yards, six yards, six yards. Like you, I think you'd rather have, I think you'd rather, you'd rather get, you would have liked to have seen them get some explosive plays and, and, and have that make a difference in this game. And it really hurt where it really hurt their ability to do that and their inability to do that all game and really their inability to do that all season was in the last drive, right? Where it felt like they were taking a lot of time to get downfield in position for a field goal. Now I get it, a 43-yard field goal, like I think you'd probably take that uh, most times. And so they they did what they had to do, but like if you had some ability to get explosive plays, like are you in a position to get a touchdown? Are you in a position for a 20-yarder, 25-yarder, whatever it is, right? Like I I don't know. I mean, I think it's – I think – uh, that's going to be a real interesting thing to see if they figure some stuff out to do that. I I think that's a, a real limiting thing. The other real limiting thing, I don't know how much to say about Oregon's secondary in this game. I will say they got burnt, um, and it, I think uh, I think when you compare how they play, how Washington played against Oregon versus like Arizona, either I think I think part of it was Oregon was a little too cocky, uh, a little too confident in their secondaries to be like. Look, we got we got the guys. We're not Arizona. We don't have to drop back eight. We're not afraid. Of, we're not afraid of them. Let's let's just go man to man. And and Washington burnt pretty much every defensive back Oregon had, including Kyrie Jackson, who is who has legitimately been all conference defense level player, and he got cooked a couple of times. I don't know. I mean, I'm curious. I like that part of that feels uh, schematic defensively. Um, part of that feels like, hey, Oregon does not have the dudes to keep up, but like maybe no one does. And at that point, maybe it should just be in Arizona and bail out to prevent uh, Michael Penix from having options downfield, right? Like maybe you just, maybe you just say, fuck it, try and throw on us against eight. Cause I kind of feel like Oregon has enough talent, uh, more talent than Arizona to be able to say we're going to drop eight and still be able to cover everything inside uh, 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. I don't know. I don't know what you think but about that, Reed. I, I just have to – I mean, I, I agree. Like, yeah, Oregon's – I mean, Oregon's defense didn't pitch anywhere near a shutout. Like, they, they got beat more times than not. But at the same time, if you told Oregon fans, like, you're going to get five stops in this game, that's – that's a pretty good number for them, honestly. Like, I didn't think this was really on the defense. If the offense closes it out there, uh, you know, converts that fourth down, like Washington finishes with 29 points. That's a I, I, that's a win. I mean, four touchdowns from Washington's offense would have been a, a win for the defense, you know? Um, but part of I that is so much, so much of that, I think we have to, like, look at efficiency here because so much of that was just Oregon running so many more plays, right? Like... 
they just held the ball for so much longer. Maybe that's what you have to do if you're Oregon, but I don't know how much stock we can put in. I don't know. I don't know how much stock we can put into, I guess, Washington being held to 29 points without that, you know, any of those but, drives. But they did score on, I mean, what, Washington here scored on five of nine drives, I think. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I think that's I think that's a pretty good day at the office for Oregon. Like, I get Washington obviously won the matchup against Oregon's defense, but we knew that was going to happen. And and I actually, I would just push back. I think going man to man and like, tr- basically, I mean, what you have to do against this Washington defense is, or Washington offense is, I think you man up. And I think like, you probably don't rush, send that big of a pass rush because it doesn't matter. They're going to throw it fast. And you just have to guess what the read is and hope you have two guys there. Uh, and hope that a, a play gets missed. Hope Penix has to hold on to it longer, and you can hit him for once. I don't know. I, I I felt like the plan was fine, and and it worked fine. I didn't feel like the Oregon defense. Uh, I don't know. I I thought it was fine on the day. I didn't think that was what lost them the game. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. You're playing against a historically good exactly um, offense. You know, I I get that. Like, I totally get it. Washington did get three point six yards per drive, uh, points per drive, um, just in terms of efficiency. When I looked it up, that would still rank if you, you know, said that a team was averaging three point six points per drive on the course of a season. That would still be top. That'd be right behind Georgia, um, which is still not great. And I just contrasting that again to Arizona. I mean, Arizona. I just think about that Arizona game where it looks like they that looked like they really kind of shut Washington down. I don't know. I think. I would love to see this game happen again in Vegas, and I would love to see how Oregon responds. I think, I don't know, if I'm Dan Lanning, it's, it's, you know what this reminds me of? Avery's going to remember this. This reminds me of Utah going man-to-man against, why well, is a deep cut, against uh, USC in 2019. Do you yeah. remember this? Yeah. Oh, I remember. <laughs> it was hopeless. Um, why were they yeah. doing that? Yeah, right. It was sort of like a bit of arrogance from Kyle Whittingham to be like, no, we don't. We could just go. We could just man up, uh, and USC was just dropping bombs on them. Yeah, but um, Kyle Whittingham doesn't believe in talent, so maybe now he does. Um, yeah, yeah, now he does. So I don't know. I, I think it's. I, I would love to see how he adjusts because they're they've got to make some adjusts. I don't think they can go into a game again in Las Vegas if they do play a Pac-12 title rematch um, and say we're going to do the same thing again. Um, I don't know that they can that they can do that. Anyway, uh, real quick, let's. Talk about this game. This was, I, We should talk about it. This game was a classic, I think. My question to you all, starting with Reed, is this an all-timer for you? Where does this where does this game rank for you in terms of all-time Pac-12 games that you've watched, considering the yeah. circumstances for you? Yeah, yeah, divorcing <laughs> from my own interests. Um, yeah, I do think these are two of the best teams in Pac-12 history, uh, you know, at least since the, since the merger to 12 and... and yeah, I I think they're really two of the best teams in Pac-12 history. I think both these teams, I'd feel more confident in a playoff scenario than almost anyone we've had, you know, outside of a couple there. But, like, it was a really great matchup. It was back and forth. It, it had everything you could want from a game. I mean, this is kind of the peak of college football. I don't know that either of these teams... I don't know what will happen if they play Georgia or, or whoever. Like, that doesn't really matter to me. In the context of the Pac-12... There's not a team in Pac-12 history that I would say like with a bullet dominates these teams. Uh, I think they're all they're both in the conversation for top ten, top five, even Pac-12 teams ever, and they played an all-time 
close back and forth game. Would you would you put this game ahead of all of the games from 2022 when it was like USC, Utah, yes. both Oregon, these teams, Utah from last both season? Both these teams are better than they were last season, I think. Uh, and they played a, I think they played a prettier, better like football game than they did last season too. Yeah, our homie Shaw says in the YouTube chat, not happy with the outcome, but the game itself is one of the great Pac games I've ever watched. Avery, do you agree? Where would you put this in your pantheon of great Pac-12 games? This is one of those games where I'm just like, damn, I wish I was a Washington fan. Like, I wish I had yeah. all the heart like behind Washington. I wish I had been watching Washington intently for like the last 15 years and felt all the heartbreak of Washington so that I could experience this game in its fullness because I, I genuinely can't imagine like the high that it is to be a Washington fan during and after that game. It, I'm so jealous. It looked like it was a ton of fun. The stadium was crazy. Like that game being at home for a Washington fan. Oh my God. I'm, I want that so bad. But yeah, this was an amazing game. My, my silly goofy ass was watching Cal Utah for like a large part. Someone had to um trying to report over here. No, I this game was really, really fun to watch. I really enjoyed it. And I think both of these teams are just so much better than any of the teams we saw last season. Like we had some great games last season, but like putting them in context of like, okay, maybe both the teams are just like the same level of mid makes me mm-hmm. say these teams are elite. These teams should be in playoff contention and we got to watch it at a Pac-12 school like it wasn't on a neutral site that's like what college football is so I loved it yeah I think this game just I mean I think the anticipation for this game was way higher than anything we saw last season right and I think part of that was they were both undefeated I think some of the shine gets taken off on some of these games when it's like you've got a team that's with a one loss and all this other stuff, right? Like USC Utah last year had a lot of hype going into it. And it was, uh, and, and and I think I've come around to thinking that was the best game from last season is the one I keep coming back to. Um, this game was, was better than that because of the hype that came into it, because of the quality of the play, because it looked like, I mean, Oregon, Oregon and Washington both had legitimate chances to not just win this game, but have control of it. Um, and neither were able to do that. Um, I, I think it wasn't, I think I, I would have felt differently if this game kind of ended somewhat anticlimactically, you know, I don't, I don't know. Oregon does convert that fourth down, for example, at the end of the game to try to win this game. If they, if they convert that, I'm like, this is a great game, but I'm not talking about as an all timer, right? Like it was because Washington made a crucial stop right then and there and then went down and scored within about 50 seconds um it was because oregon it was able to move the ball and get themselves in a position to have a very reasonable not a 65 yard field goal a 43 yard field goal and you know that they missed it uh so like there was just so much about this game that was unbelievable awesome to watch this is like i don't know gun to head right now you two like are the is this a, is there a rematch happening in Vegas on December 1st. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Fuck. Okay. I don't know. That's hard. But looking at the schedules of the other teams, man, I don't know. I guess it depends on if they can beat Oregon State. If both of these teams beat Oregon State, then yeah, they're in it for me. Reed, what about you? I feel pretty confident that these are the two best teams. I'm, I'm less... I think it's pretty close to a 50-50 whether Oregon can make it to Vegas. Washington's path seems pretty clear at this point. Um, luckily, they get Oregon State and Autzen. 
I think that makes a big difference. Like I in early Seattle, you mean? No, no, they get Oregon State and Reeser. Oh no, no. you're talking about Oregon. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm getting Oregon. confused. Yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. Oregon gets yeah that game in in aughts, and I think that makes a big difference there. Uh, but still, like at Utah, we'll see where they're at. I don't know. Oregon's margin for error is very shrunk, and that's the sad thing. Is like for Oregon fans, first time since 2013, they're five and zero. Oh. So many years it's been okay. We have one loss. We're down the stretch. Like we have no margin for error. This was the moment to kind of like make it past this big game and have one in the bag where we could lose. And now it's back to can't lose any games. And I've seen Oregon lose too many times in those situations to say that that we're definitely heading towards a 11 and 1, 12 and 0 rematch in Vegas. Yeah. This game, I think, is, uh, I think, honestly, the next game, whoever it is that Oregon plays, I think Oregon plays Washington State, right? Yep. In, in Austin. Yep that game becomes the most important game in, in the Dan Lanning era because Washington State's not a bad team. And if this is sort of a situation where it's like the losing team spirals and can't figure itself out, itself out, like I will feel good about Oregon if they beat the shit out of Washington State, which they should, I think, yeah. given how Washington State has looked. So mm-hmm. going to be going to be super, super interesting. All right. That is our recap of Oregon and Washington. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back to talk about the rest of the slate. No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast is presented by Homefield Apparel, the place to go for fun, good-looking, and comfortable college football apparel. I have been a customer of Homefield for years now, and I keep coming back because the clothes are just that good. Uh, today, I'm wearing this UCLA surf shirt with the uh, the Bruins surfing, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this is my favorite t-shirt that I own. Uh, not only is the design a lot of fun, but it's unbelievably comfortable. I wear their entire UCLA collection so much that there are a lot of people I know on campus at Utah who think I'm from California, so that's cool. Um, It's not just that the clothes look so great uh, that keeps me coming back, though. Uh, They're always releasing new designs, and so there's always something new to get. Uh, We're currently in the midst of Homefield's Can't Miss Kickoff event, where they'll be releasing all sorts of never-before-seen designs that you simply can't miss. Most notably for us in the Pac-12, they have an exclusive football bundle that has just dropped for Colorado, so be sure to check that out. And if you don't wear apparel from teams outside your own and you're not a Colorado fan or a UCLA fan... Uh, that's fine, because Homefield now has offerings for every Pac-12 school, with the, except, with the exception of Stanford. Uh, go check it out today, and remember to use promo code NOTRUCKSTOPS23 for 15% off your first purchase. All right, we are back. Let's move on to our, let's move on to our next game. Arizona throttles Washington State. Uh, Arizona, led by Noah Fafita, beats the living shit out of Washington State 44-6. In Pullman, uh, this game was not competitive at all. Never was. Wazoo struck first with a touchdown. And then Arizona scored 44 unanswered points, and uh, including a lead at 20-6 to at halftime. If you look at the box score, it's pretty fucking ridiculous. Arizona scored 10 points in the first, 10 in the second, 10 in the third, 14 in the fourth. Just 
dominant, uh, getting whatever they wanted. Arizona also doubled the Cougs up on total yards, 516 to two, to the Cougs, 234. Cam Ward sacked for what felt like a million times. Cougs receivers for a second week in a row could not make any plays in space. Arizona getting whatever the hell it wanted on the air and on the ground. I know we all picked Washington State, but I think people need to remember that because that was under the assumption that Jaden Delora was going to be we, playing. We would not have picked Arizona, uh, Washington State if we knew that Fafito was playing. It would have been. I mean, split. I might have, but like I would have considered picking Arizona. It would have been split. We went Washington State down the line. We all thought Jaden Delora was playing because Jed Fish was like, if he's one hundred percent healthy, he's starting, which is crazy thing to say. Um, but Fafita gets the start, um, and in the end, Delora suits up, but Fafita plays the entire game. The Cats beat the shit out of the Cougs. So my question to you all: Let's start with Reed on this one. Uh, was this? A- surprising to you and does this make you think differently about either of these teams yes firm yes that seems like <laughs> that seems like an all-time softball of a question yes i was surprised <laughs> that the eight and a half point favorite lost by 40 uh and could not <laughs> score after their first drive and yes i think differently of both teams due to that result um <laughs> i'm trying here <laughs> give me a break no. okay well it was a hard day for me yesterday too okay um no anyways yeah i mean i i think a lot differently about washington state this was i mean this is an insane result this is the most surprising result in some ways despite the fact that it was a little lower on the you know card uh of the pac-12 season honestly like what happened? We thought Washington State was a top fifteen team recently, uh, and we thought Arizona was pretty good after the last two weeks. But I don't know that we quite saw this level of an ass whooping. I mean, my big takeaways: uh, I was skeptical of Washington State's receivers in the preseason, and then I was quickly like, "Oh yeah, let me bury that take. That's dead." It seems like it's been resurrected. Those that receiving core did not look very good yesterday at all. And then Arizona just, I mean, they look like a buzzsaw. How did they, like, they controlled this game 44 to nothing after Washington State's opening drive. That's an, that's absurd. Washington State's like a very good team and at home. I, I, or we thought they were. I'm, I don't even know what to make of this. This is just like weird college football shit. Yeah, Grips, what did you think of this game? I'm sick. I'm tired. (laughs) Every team I touch turns to poison. This was just horrible, especially after that first drive. I was still switching over from the Oregon-Washington game. I saw that Washington State scored. I was like, good, we're on schedule. They missed the two-point conversion. I wasn't watching, so I don't know if it was like a failed... I assume they tried to go for two. It was a failed two-point conversion, yeah. Yeah, I assume they like were actually trying to go for two, and it wasn't like a, a busted... Uh, snap for a kick or something but yeah man this was this was horrible this you've got to feel bad if you're Washington State because like Pullman is one of the worst places to go play it's not a friendly environment and they just got fucking wrecked I like don't even I can't even think of like the last time Washington State was just like absolutely throttled this way at home like obviously I don't know Washington State history great but I assume they're typically in the game at home to some extent <laughs> part of the game. They were not in this at all. After that first drive, it was all Arizona. It was all Noah Fafita. Washington State had zero answer for this team. And, like, quite frankly, I'm so imp- impressed with Arizona. Like, after the Washington game for Arizona, 
I came away saying like, oh yeah, no Fafita's good. This offense is good. But like, I didn't think they were this fucking good. Like I was stunned, shocked, amazed. And like, there is no reason there should be a quarterback controversy. No. No reason at all. It should be decided. Any conversation about the other quarterback playing is bonkers and should not happen. Yeah. I. Um, it's gotten to the point now where even Jed Fish is starting to no comment on this. Before it was, oh, if Jaden Delore is healthy, 100% healthy, he's, he's starting. No question. And now it's sort of like, well, I just, I just want to talk about this game. I'm not going to comment on this, on the quarterback situation. I, I think the tone has shifted. I think it has to shift. Arizona looks, they look really good. They look, man, look, I know I overreact sometimes to these things, but we're seven <laughs> games into the season. They look like a real threat. They look like if they didn't lose already two Pac-12 games, that they'd be a contender. I know that that sounds crazy, but... It's like their defense is 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 legitimately unbelievable. I what it did to Arizona broke Caleb Williams. It feels like because Caleb Williams went and looked like shit again against Notre Dame, uh, and obviously Caleb Williams had those like absolutely insane rushing touchdowns. But like Arizona clamped up USC. Arizona clamped up Washington, the team that we just said had one of the best offenses of all time. Just had clamped up Washington for a good two and a half, three quarters, all at the end, right? They got down big late, and then, like, after that, things got a little easier for Arizona. They were in a position to take a lead at some or to tie the game at some point against Washington. I think that was the one game where it's like, okay, they probably wouldn't have won, you know, in different circumstances. I think Washington kind of, it was, when you look back on it, it's, like, kind of convincing and also kind of more impressive for Washington. At the time, it did not look that good. Um, and the Michigan State, and the Michigan State, uh, Mississippi State loss was, like, Jaden Delora loses that game. He did uh, lose that game for Arizona. Um, they just look balanced. They look they look complete. They look complete in a way that we thought Oregon State and Washington State would look this year. Their defense is good. Their secondary is good. Justin Flo is like starting to come on as a real problem. <laughs> like uh, he's he's starting to look very very good. Noah Fafita is a fantastic quarterback. They've got insane receivers, and their running backs are good. Like, I, I feel really weird about Arizona right now, and and soon they will get um, a, an opportunity to prove that they're probably uh, okay. I'm gonna say this right now. I don't have them third. They have an opportunity to prove that they're third in the conference. I think people are gonna call us crazy, but we know we know more than they do. <laughs> I just look. I just look something up. And mm -hmm. it's making me chuckle a little bit. I was like, who the fuck is Arizona's defensive coordinator? His name is Johnny Nansen. Yes. Guess where he went don't. to college. Oh, where did he go to college? I don't know that. I know Washington he came from UCLA. State. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> they just got fucking wrecked by one of their own guys. That's crazy. Uh, insane. I'm shocked by this defense. I did not think the defense had it in him. I think a lot of it's scheming, but like they played a really great game. This was their first interception of the year. They had <laughs> two in this weird. game. One from John Mateer, their like Washington State's like gadget quarterback guy, and then Cameron Ward threw one too. But like, yeah, I I think this defense has been kind of bad, or at least I thought they were bad. And I think they just like figured out the scheme against Washington, and they're like, hey, look, here's another team that has like 
a really good passing offense, except they can't run the ball. So if we drop eight on them, it should work. And it worked. It worked really well. Yeah. I, I mean, I here's the thing is that analytically, uh, Arizona's defense looks bad. And I get that their opponent adjusted. But the problem is, is that Arizona's just had a brutal start, right? They had to play they had to play Washington and at USC. Um, Washington, they held Washington to 31 points, which is very, very good. Um, and they held USC to 28 in regulation. Um, and, you know, they only gave up a bunch of touchdowns in overtime. I feel like the analytics have to account for, like, overtime touchdowns. I feel like they just shouldn't count. They shouldn't be weighed the same. They weighed the same in the box score. But, like, as it says, US, uh, Arizona gave up 43 points to USC. They gave up 28 in regulation. Um, so, yeah, no, I think I think we were sort of wondering after the Stanford game, like, does uh, Arizona have a good defense? Is that weird to say? And we were like, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't say that out loud. We don't want to say that out loud. That's a little weird. We can't, can't go around saying Arizona has a good defense. <laughs> they have a good defense. They have a really good defense. They get to host. Now, they're in this really crazy stretch where they've got to play a bunch of ranked teams. Um, they get to host Oregon State and UCLA in back-to-back games. They get a bye next week. And then they go and then they get host Oregon State and UCLA. That right there is going to tell us a lot. Like, I think we have to put Arizona in the same tier as UCLA, Oregon State. They move past Washington State, obviously. Um, But we got to start talking in Utah. We got to start talking about them in that tier. They host Utah this year. Arizona's capital D dangerous. I think they are scary good. Um, And they're going to get, you know, they've gotten through already the, the two of the three or four or five best teams in Washington, USC. They run through Washington state, a team that we thought was top five in this conference. They're going to have some opportunities here. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to win out, but I also don't think it's insane to say they'll win out. Um, I, so I ranked them. I did like my quick pack 12 rankings on Twitter and I ranked them six and I was being screamed at by Utah fans. Like, I know Utah fans do not take anything I say seriously. Here's our weekly uh, Utah fan therapy I'm fucking warning you. Listen to my warnings about this team. Like, they have these preconceived notions about Arizona and what Arizona is. And, like, yes, Utah has throttled Arizona throughout their time in the Pac-12. This is different. You were going to Tucson. The last time Utah played in Tucson, I was there. Utah, 21 Utah, one of the best Utah teams in recent history, almost lost to a bad Arizona team in Tucson. Like it was a game in the fourth quarter. If no Fafita is playing in this game, I'm I'm picking a loss for Utah. Like genuinely. Like I think it's Utah will lose this game. It's in Tucson. This is a good offense. They have the talent. Their receivers are fantastic and their running back is good. Like Utah should be afraid of this game. This yeah. is like their Gary said this our friend Gary at No Puck Stops, he said this about Utah, and I, I know we're not talking about Utah right now, but he said USC is their <laughs> easiest road game. And I agree, because going to Tucson against this No Fafita offense, that's scary hours. Yeah, yeah. And and Arizona's defense is, again, legit good. Or uh, Our buddy Zach in the YouTube chat asked if Zona can stop the run. I think they can. Now, I know people are going to point out the Washington thing. Our, our homie Tyler already has. Um, but, and he would kind of point this out too. Dylan Johnson kept UW in the game because Arizona dropped seven DBs. That's exactly it. It was a schematic decision. We're going to give you Washington everything inside the 10 yards line of scrimmage, even if it means seven yards per carry. And just to stop, just so that we could sell out to stop Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, yeah, Jalen Polk, all that other stuff. So, but they are good. They are a good 
I think they are a good, well-balanced defense. Um, I think they've got the secondary. I think their running game is pretty good. Their re- run defense is good. What are we going to say, Reed? I think we don't know that, though. Like, it is it is time to for them to have a big shift here. They get these three opponents at home, but it's a very different look than what playing Washington and USC is. Uh, and it's hard to say what's going to happen because – you know, you're not going to drop seven DBs against Oregon State or Utah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you definitely right. don't need to do that. It's uh, a very different type of team. Yeah, for sure. very different type of team. Um, so while their defense has looked good, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, honestly, the best comp for this uh, would be the Mississippi State game uh, because Mississippi State's a super run heavy team that's not hmm. actually that great offensively. Uh, and that game early in the season, uh, also on the road, you know, really, well, Arizona played really good as soon as they stopped shooting themselves in the foot with turnovers. So I think that, uh, I think they definitely have a shot. I think we'll learn a lot. They have a bye week and and then there's a ton in front of this Arizona team. Make yeah. takes now. Apologize later. <laughs> Live in the moment. It is time to discuss the case for a ranked Arizona. Go Absolutely. Ahead. Take it over, Carlos. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you don't rank this team. Uh, if 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 UCLA is uh, was ranked when, after what they had did, Arizona should be ranked too. Now, I don't have a good sense of the rest of the country. I don't know what 22 or 23 or 24 are doing. Um, but Arizona will absolutely get some votes. I think they should be a top 25 team they look like a top five team in the pac-12 right now they look uh, they have the worst look like a top half of the pac-12 team and what's happened all season the top half of the pac-12 all gets ranked so yeah i, I mean their losses are 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 very excusable at mississippi state early on in the season with their charlie brewer i thought i saw rob bowron talk about arizona like 2021 utah Starting with Charlie Brewer and and uh, and Utah at Utah before going to Cam Rising, and and it's a sort of a similar situation here where Arizona started with Jaden Delora and switched over to Noah Fafita. Um, I I think we're in a really similar situation. So yeah, I mean I, I think if you're contextualizing what Arizona has done and looking at the teams that they've played and looking at how they played them. This is a top they're playing like a top 25 team. They're playing they're playing consistently in a way that's like they're competing and pushing the best teams and beating the absolute fuck out of teams that they're better than. Which I I I think I was in the minority and uh I think people raised their eyebrows fairly so for saying rightfully so for saying that Arizona was a better team than Washington State going into this game. Um uh, but that's what's borne out now. Like we we have evidence of of that on the field. Like this wasn't a fluky Washington State turned over the ball a million times and lost forty four to six. They they beat them up. Good. <laughs> yeah. Go was, ahead. Go ahead. Read, read your laughing. No, it was pretty definitive. Definitely a very definitive <laughs> result. Yeah. I okay. I I know I'm not watching truck stop ball, but when people talk about Arizona, they talk about how this Mississippi State loss is like this huge stain on their record, insurmountable, like they lost to Mississippi State, they can't be good. Let's look at who Mississippi State, a 3-3 and team, has lost to, shall we? Mississippi State lost to LSU, a a good LSU team, I assume, because they're ranked high. Mississippi State lost to South Carolina on the road by one score. I don't know if South Carolina is 
good, but like it's a road game. Sure, whatever. I, I promise they, we don't have to do this. <laughs> and then Mississippi State lost to Alabama. Yeah. So I don't think yeah. that's bad. I get that Arizona has three losses, but they fucking destroyed Washington State in Pullman. Something that most teams aren't capable of doing. Yeah. Uh, Arizona, just a quick analytics check. They are 36th in SP+, which is actually pretty good, um, all things considered. And they're 24th in beta rank. So the metrics have them at least close. Now, Arizona's SP+, plus defensively, is 78th. Um, I don't know. I think that I think the analytics might be giving a little, punishing them a little bit too much for giving up a lot to to Washington, giving up 31 to Washington and giving up 28 to USC in regulation. So real, real quick, one sent one, one comment about Washington state from each of you, Washington state gets their asses handed to them second week in a row. They look like things are starting to fall apart. Reed, do you have any confidence that Washington state's going to figure it out? Or do you just feel like there's a bottom of the half back 12 team? I think that people have figured them out a bit as what's happened. Um, I was at a bar during this game. There was a Coug, one of our Coug brethren there, asked to put Pac-12 Network on the TV. They had it. Uh, quickly, we were able to switch back to the USC Notre Dame game. I'll just say that. <laughs> Grapes, what? Do you, uh, one quick thought about Washington State. You feel like they're in a? Do you feel like? I don't know. What do you feel about them? How do you feel about them now? I I want them to be good so bad. I want them to be good more than I've wanted something in a very long time and it just like breaks my heart to say that they they can't run the ball at all so unfortunately this is this is just a bowl eligible team this might be a seven and five team um maybe eight and four but they will not be in conference contention i'm so sorry washington state fans don't yell at me our homie tyler asked uh, are you still are you still holding he asked is grape still holding all washington state stock right now is it time to sell yet did i buy i think i did buy washington state stock last week did uh, you put all your eggs in, in no the washington i put state all basket? my eggs in cow basket remember i think i bought like oh, yeah, one, yeah, yeah. one share of washington state yeah listen washington state plays at oregon they're they're gonna lose that game but like perhaps perhaps they're okay <laughs> i don't know then they get arizona state and stanford and cal and Colorado. Oh, they're, gonna, they're probably going to lose to Cal. But, okay, that's crazy. But I think I mean. it's the, before our next stock thing, they get Oregon and Arizona State. And like, I imagine, God, I don't know. It, it, uh, I, I think you should hold on to Washington State stock and sell after they play Colorado. That's, <laughs> that's my <laughs> advice. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. They get they get Oregon at Oregon. I just that's going to be a loss by how much I don't know. Um, but after that, I don't know. Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, Colorado. <sighs> I mean, they should beat those teams. I think. Like I think those are not good teams. Arizona State is bad. Stanford is kind of spicy, I guess. Um, Cal, not great, but kind of spicy, I guess. Colorado. Not great, but kind of spicy, I guess. If they're if they're like a decent team that we think they are, and they're just going through a rough stretch right now, they should win those games. That should put them at seven and five, and that would be, or that would put them at eight and four, and that would be fantastic. But yeah, I don't know. Anything's on the table right now for Washington State because forty four to six, getting your asses handed to you forty four to six at home, bad omen, bad 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 omen. All right, let's move on. We've got other games to talk about here. Let's uh, let's talk about this stupid fucking game. Uh, <laughs> Oregon State. 
beat the daylights out of UCLA in Corvallis, 36-24. Oregon State took a 23-10 lead late in the third quarter, never looked back. DJ Uyunglele had another really nice outing against UCLA's pass rush, uh, throwing for 266 yards and two touchdowns. Dave Martinez chipped in 90 yards off 15 carries. Meanwhile, Dante Moore had another horrific game on the road. He threw for just 165 yards off 33 attempts to go along with three picks. UCLA's ground game did have a ton of success. They gained nearly 300 yards, uh, but per- perhaps a bit a bit all too late. So this game, I think, was supposed to catapult the winner into the next tier. I'm curious to hear from you, starting with Gapes. Grapes. Gapes? Gapes. Starting with Grapes. Did Oregon State move up into a tier for you with this win? Hey, Carlos, who'd you pick in this game? <laughs> I picked UCLA. Who'd you pick, Reed? UCLA. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah, I didn't pick UCLA because I know that Oregon State does not lose home games. Okay. Oregon State looked fantastic in this game. UCLA genuinely like didn't look bad on the run side of things. Like they had a very good run outing, but it didn't matter. Oregon State was in control of the game the entire time. It was a very dominant win. I I think Oregon State is the third best team in the conference right now. I look at the Washington State loss and I'm like, man, that's that's a tough one. It's in Pullman. It's really early in the season. It's the first conference game. They probably win that game. Now, I think they figured out more of like what their offense looks like with um, DJU. But I don't know. It's hard to look at that loss in Pullman and, and feel super great about Oregon State. But like, I, I think they're next after Oregon. I think you can make an argument for who's the third best team, but after beating UCLA in such a dominant fashion, I feel like they're next. They're probably still in the same tier as USC and Arizona and UCLA and Utah. I don't know. It's hard. It gets all jumbled when you get down there, but like, I feel so much better about Oregon State after this game. I feel like the Utah game wasn't the best win in the world. The Cal game was kind of scary, but like after the UCLA game, I'm like, okay, yeah, Oregon State's good. But unfortunately for Oregon State, they have to go to Tucson. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Greg. I'm sort of feeling a little weird about Oregon State right now. Reed, what do you think? What what do you feel about uh, this game, Oregon State? Feel differently about Oregon State or UCLA? Yeah, I I whiffed on this one. I had... I, this was honestly the game I felt most confident in was wow. this one, and I thought oh, UCLA. Wow. Yeah, I thought UCLA was going to win. I thought UCLA's defense was going to have a good day, especially um, UCLA secondary. I think they're on fraud watch. I think <laughs> they are. They are not a good secondary man. Uh, we thought they might be. You, you mean they, it wasn't a good play for it wasn't a good secondary play when DJU literally threw up a hail mary across his body, uh, and it was just basically a toss up, and uh, Oregon State came down with it with like UCLA DBs like three yards away at at mo- at minimum. That yeah, wasn't, I, that wasn't good. I think when Oregon <laughs> State doubles uh, their rushing yards and passing yards, that is that that means you do not have a very good secondary. Um, Dante Moore. I think he is a bigger question mark than fifth year DTR. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. <laughs> Carlos, any thoughts on that? Three straight yeah. pick sixes. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, yes, he's a, <laughs> he's a bigger question mark than DTR. Yes, you win. Um, uh, <laughs> Dante Moore looks like he he might be getting worse, uh, which is actually really sad to see. He's like he's just he's really really talented, but he, is, he needs he to change not. the scenery. <laughs> he does not have the touch 
on his uh, on his throws the way he did earlier on in the season. His confidence looks a little shaken. Um, he looks like he's going through a really really hard time right now. I I think it's I think it's absolutely fair to be concerned about Dante Moore at UCLA. I don't think it's like worth pulling him at at some point. You know, I mean, fans have been trying to get Dante Moore pulled since the Utah game, which is always kind of it's absurd to me. Colin Schley came in this game, not really as a pass. He threw one pass. He he got he threw one pass, completed it uh, for one yard. <laughs> so uh, it's not like Colin Schley was being thrown in there to to actually get you any passing yards, but he was really, really good on the run. Uh, Colin Schley was got, a, got 80 yards off six carries with his legs on uh, designed runs. Mostly Dante Moore right now, I think is like, I, I think his development is, is, is getting, getting her harmed. And I, and I, I'm not going to put it on Dante Moore. I'm it's Chip Kelly's fault. Um, Chip Kelly, first of all, has built a pretty bad offensive line in pass production. The offensive line is not getting any push. Despite that, uh, Chip, Kelly, Chip Kelly's calling for like Michael Penix type shit uh, with like <laughs> with a f- true freshman, right? Like he is calling for receivers to go deep uh, and 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 asking Dante Moore to deliver some bombs with a bad offensive line that's getting a lot of pressure in his face. That's hard. Like you cannot have, you absolutely cannot have your true freshman trying to carry UCLA the way they did for the first half of this game. You can't do it. It was a fucking egregious, honestly, coaching decision from Chip Kelly to say, yeah, yeah, just like let's run this offense through our through our true freshman quarterback who's kind of had his confidence shaken and is struggling a little bit. Let's just let him bomb it downfield. Um, it's a, a horrendous, horrendous decision, horrendous play calling from Chip Kelly. Absolutely dog shit stuff from him. Uh, what, what they should have done, and they they – kind of did the Oregon State thing where they're like, oh, okay, well, we passed the ball. We're going to run it now because passing's not working. And they had some success on the run. What would have happened if you flipped that, right? If you gave Dante Moore some easy stuff, you let him, you you lean on your run game, which was kicking ass in this game. I, I think, I think, I don't know if this game looks much different, but at the very least, we're not talking about Dante Moore being on transfer watch. Um, Dante Moore isn't on transfer watch to Alabama, though. He's on transfer watch to, he's, he's on the DJ Oyunglele path. He is on the Jonathan Smith rehabilitation path. The good thing is, is that uh, Jonathan Smith is going to be the head coach at UCLA next season. So he will get his opportunity to be rehabilitated under a good quarterback whisper. I fear, I fear that if Jonathan Smith goes to a different program, Aiden Childs will be going with him. So <laughs> Aiden Childs, I, Dante Moore, quarterback competition. I Let's don't go. think, I don't think Dante Moore wants Jonathan Smith to be his coach because he will get pushed <laughs> right out of there <laughs> for Aiden Childs. Yeah. Uh, so horrendous stuff. From I feel weird about Oregon State. I'm going to say that. Um, I feel weird about Oregon State. Because UCLA's Hater. ground game kind of got whatever it wanted, and I think that's concerning. I think who Oregon else, State's who do they play with the run game? Oregon State, who? Oregon. Yeah, they play Oregon. Yeah, but who else? Okay, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess right. <laughs> Arizona, Arizona's run game is f- pretty it's good. Fine, yeah, but it's not as good, good as UCLA's. Then they play Colorado. Then they play Stanford. Then they play Washington. Then they play Oregon. It doesn't yeah. matter to the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I have tro- I have problems with Oregon State's the secondary too. Like, I know that they kind of destroyed Dante Moore, but like, I've got some concerns about them That's that showed up in the Washington State game. Definitely the part of the defense that I'm more concerned about. Yeah. Than their run defense, just because of the teams they will be playing to finish yeah. the season. Yeah. I mean, UCLA's run defense wasn't great, great shakes up until this game either. So, 
I don't know. Can I, we I, can we talk about Chip Kelly saying that he didn't want to do the run game because they were only getting five yards per carry? <laughs> what the fuck was that? I always got that what tweet. I'm gonna going pull up that tweet. I'll pull up that tweet and read it for folks uh, who are listening. <laughs> uh, I believe the exact quote was. Um, Chip Kelly indicated this is from uh, Ben Bolch L- at LATB Bolch. Chip Kelly indicated he wasn't fully happy with a run game that generated 284 yards and 5.7 yards per carry, calling it inconsistent. And a little bit of editorializing from Ben Bolch, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, he said he was not happy with the run game because it was inconsistent. Uh, let me tell you what was really inconsistent: UCLA's pass game, <laughs> Dante Moore, <laughs> the offensive line and pass protection. That's inconsistent. Um, I, yeah. We, oh God, this is a bad game from UCLA. But Oregon State, to their credit, their offense looks awesome. I'm really curious to see. This is in, the reason why, and I said this to Reed, I think, in our preview, that I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm going to learn a lot about UCLA, but I'm not going to learn a lot about Oregon State because the game is in Corvallis. And I don't know. Oregon State has struggled a little bit, not offensively. Offensively, their offense has traveled really well. And I think we need to be talking about DJU as like a legit really good quarterback and the way Jonathan Smith is using him has been masterful. Like, I think we do have to talk about that. Sometimes he over relies on the past a little bit, but for the most part, using him super well, DJU is really good, but the defense is the thing that has not, um, has not been great and has not quite traveled. And so I'm really curious to see what they do. If they go at Arizona and beat Arizona, I will start to think about Oregon state as being a real dark horse pack 12 title contender again. Um, it feels like their biggest game of yes. the year, <laughs> which is crazy. Which like, is so funny did not think. About, I mean, it's kind of Arizona's biggest game too. Like, it's a bit of like, is Arizona going to break out and actually break into a tier and actually make a run and actually be a threat, or is Oregon State going to reassert what it was preseason? What we thought it was preseason. They beat Arizona. They've got a clear path to being. They've got a clear path to being what we thought they were going to be, which is like, not eight and one going into those last nine and one going into Washington and Oregon. Right, they've got a clear path to that. Hey, um, it's bye week for Arizona, so we don't know who we'll see at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, very <laughs> scary stuff. All right, well, that's any other thoughts about Oregon State UCLA before we move on? All right, let's let's move on really quickly. Let's talk really really quick to talk some truck stuff ball. I know people are going to want us to talk about USC Notre Dame uh, a ton, a ton, a ton. Um, Notre Dame. Kicks the absolute piss out of USC, beating the Trojans 48 to 20. USC was held to just 302 yards, uh, although US, uh, USC held Notre Dame to 251 yards. Uh, the big storyline out of this one, Caleb Williams straight up bad. Not like not like last last week where it was like he was bad, but man, he like brought the back and he was – no, he was bad. He was the reason they lost this game by as much as they did. He threw for under 200 yards off 37 attempts to go along with three, three interceptions – Took a ton of sacks as well, looking like Shadur Sanders back there. Uh, this was the Trojans' first loss of the season and comes in absolutely humiliating fashion. So let's talk implications for USC real fast. Uh, we talked a lot about them last week. They finally falter. Reed, let's start with you. Is USC going to be able to recover recover from this, or are they cooked? They are so fucking fraudulent. Uh, Caleb Williams is not the Pac-12 GOAT. We can say that finally, <laughs> firmly. Yeah. It's done. I've never Case seen a player play himself out of a Heisman and out of the GOAT conversation in one game. And I think he it's did that. It's your fault. <laughs> you put this evil on him last and week. Bad jinx. Bad, bad jinx for me. <laughs> the offensive line, I, it's so different from, like, you know, in comparison. You have to compare them to the top of the conference to Washington. Like, 
six sacks, 11 tackles for a loss for Notre Dame in this game. Their scheme and Caleb Williams' style allows for that to happen, uh, given the fact that their offensive line isn't great at all. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just a, they're just not that good. They're pretty good, but they're not that good. They're not a, se- a serious contending team uh, because they have so many flaws. That said, I mean, I... I don't know that they're completely dead because Caleb Williams can find magic here and there like Utah's next. The Washington game at home, I'm interested in seeing too because um, I don't know. They'll, they will stress and attack the Washington defense in a very different way from the way we saw Oregon go about it last, you know, this week. Uh, and obviously, I think that Washington game is, is what their season comes down to in large part. Uh, that could be a shootout. If it is, you know, you can never totally count Caleb out completely. But I don't know. I, I mean, this is what I had talked about coming for USC for a long time. I feel vindicated in this in this uh, result for sure. Yeah. Uh, if they're an unserious football team because they haven't been anyone good, let me tell you about Dan Lanning in Oregon. Just saying. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh... Get a grip. Get a grip. <laughs> um I think so. Very big time, <laughs> fucking red flags. Like alert. Like just fucking fire the alarms here. Uh, USC is in deep shit right now. Deep, deep shit. They lose to Utah. We're like, <laughs> man. I don't know. Like nothing will happen. It will just be very loud. Like Lincoln Reality is not getting tarmacked or anything. But it, the the noise will. Be, Alex Grinch might get tarmacked if USC loses to Utah next week. Um, but. There's some stuff at least here if you're like USC, they're like if you're clinging for hope. Notre Dame, but per the analytics, has the best defense that USC will will play all season. Like they are number five in uh, SP plus defensively. If you're wondering, well, what about Utah? Utah's ten. So um, Notre Dame has the best defense that USC will face all season. Honestly, probably the best defense that Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams have played while at USC per the analytics. So there's that, right? You get some solace. It was on the road. Ugly game. You've had this really weird stretch. It's cathartic. Maybe you come out and you're saying, all right, now we've, we, this is our rock bottom. Now we have some introspection to do. Now you can't lean on, oh, well, we won a game, right? Lincoln Riley can't lean on that anymore. Um, so I don't know. If they, they, they are in a weird, weird spot right now, um, I, I don't know if they – this is their come-to-Jesus moment right now. Um, yeah. This is the moment where it's like – U.S. I mean, there's no in between. USC is either gonna the wheels are gonna completely fall off, or they're gonna figure it out and go eleven and one again. Like, I, I don't see a situation where they're like, oh no, they're pretty good and they recovered and they finished ten and two, you know, with a loss here. Unless it's like a close all time loss to Oregon and Eugene, right? And it's like, oh my god, they like were, were toe to toe and they figure some stuff out. We're talking about them like they're twenty eleven again. That's the only scenario in which they go ten and two where I don't like to me right so um yeah big big time scary hours here for usc uh any other thoughts about usc before we move on yeah i all i have to say is usc deserves this fuck usc you destroyed our (laughs) fucking conference i hope you lose every single game this has been really hard for me because i really love caleb williams and don't you want caleb williams to throw like eight touchdowns against utah here here's the thing I really like Caleb Williams. I think he's an amazing player and I think he gets way more shit than he deserves and a lot of it's racism and I don't and homophobia cuz he paints his nails. 
And so whenever USC plays bad, he gets so much more heat than he deserves. So like I find myself defending USC. No, fuck USC. <laughs> Two things can be true at once. USC is ass. Caleb Williams is good. They put him in the situation where he has to play hero ball. So when That's USC true. plays bad, like he's more likely to like fuck up. Yeah. Because it's all on him. Yeah. So the offensive line was garbage in this game. Terrible. Garbage. Gave like, him nothing. I, and they've never given him anything, but no. this time they really gave him nothing. I don't think Caleb Williams is going to be the Heisman winner again, but I also <laughs> yeah. don't think he's a bad quarterback. I no. think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and I think USC is terrible at football, and I hope they lose every single game this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. Let's move on to talk about the last two uh, games of the slate. Rapid fire. <laughs> All right, let's get weird. We had an absolutely bonkers Friday night game in Boulder. Really, we should have talked about this game so much more. The Buffs blew a 29 to nothing first half lead to Stanford, ultimately losing to the Cardinal 46 to 43 in double overtime. Colorado's postgame win expectancy for this game, 72.6%, and they lost. Uh, the game had so much going on, and it just happened to be the funniest result in the entire slate. The funniest result. Maybe all season. So quickly, Grapes, let's start with you. What was your favorite moment from this ridiculous Stanford-Colorado game? Alec Io Manor, Stanford's receiver, is literally Jesus Christ. Come again. <laughs> he is so fucking good, and I'm kind of pissed off because I was depending on a crazy Stanford receiver performance this week against UCLA. Get right, game week UCLA. Early. Fuck, but God, he's so fantastic. It was so much fun to watch him. Like, one of the best wide receiver performances we've seen in a decade for the Pac-12. Incredible. Reed, favorite thing that to come was, out of this game? Uh, uh, that was insane. I don't. I wonder. Like, are we gonna see more of Io Manor, or is this like just gonna be a one-off performance? You know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, th- <laughs> I know. I think he's good. I don't. A lot of it just felt like he was. Just, he dragged just his nuts insane. all over Travis Hunter. I, I don't know. Like that's that's what we said was like the best player in the entire fucking country, and he fucking like pinned a catch against the back of his head. Like I, I know, but he doesn't. He's got to really, be good, right? I I think so, but yeah, he doesn't like yeah. the production wasn't really there before. Like this was out of nowhere, you know. So I'm curious to see where he hasn't had more than four catches all season. Yeah, uh, my favorite moment. I mean, Alec Ayomanner. Um, Running the same play for him 15, 20, 30 times? It's like, in Colorado, I'd like, no answer. Like, oh, what do I do with this slant? Do we just like, wait, he's doing it again. Are they allowed to do that? It was so funny. Uh, some absolutely insane decisions here from Deion Sanders. Punted it when he could have ended the game uh, late in the fourth quarter. That's the opposite of Dan Lanning. Uh, opposite of same situation. Did the exact opposite. Got their fucking asses beat. Uh, absolutely insane defensive coordinator brain from uh, Coach Prime. Primetime is a uh, defensive back by training, so he's got a little he's got a little Utah in him, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, funny funny game. Any other thoughts about Stanford Colorado? No. <laughs> Colorado's might not make a bowl game. Yeah, yeah, bowl game really really uncertain right now all right next one finally our last game utah beats cal 34 to 14 the moose hung 440 yards of total offense on cal thanks in large part to safety turned running back sioni vaki running for 158 yards off just 15 carries and got two touchdowns to go along with that my question to you grapes is utah back 
Carlos, are you the one that said that Utah's best offensive player is a safety? Yes. Because, oh my God, Sione Baki was incredible in this game. As someone who wanted Cal to win so fucking bad, <laughs> this is so painful to watch. Utah's offense had a pulse, and like Cal's defense isn't bad. They were playing without Jackson Sermon, who I think is like a lot better than we thought because Jesus Christ, their run defense was nothing without him. <laughs> so I don't know, Utah. Let's see what you do this week. Reed, is Utah back? Only fucking Utah, man. A converted <laughs> safety and converted quarterback. They're just absolutely tearing up Cal's defense. Jesus, Yeah, man. you remember I, when I, you were I, like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, at some point, uh, having guys just leave and then new ones come in has to matter. And here they are midseason bringing in a fucking safety for their running back. How is the team with one of the least amount of talents have this much depth? It's res- Where are they coming from? <laughs> <laughs> from the secondary. From the safety yeah. room. Yeah. 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 Just like, Damn, we have a lot of good defensive players. Maybe we should just let them play offense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, th- I mean, this like NCAA 14 shit, you just like can convert a player across positions <laughs> and the overall stays the same, apparently. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, remember, like maybe last week we were like, nah, Oregon, Oregon, Washington, USC, they're not going to lose to Utah. I don't know. Utah's doing it again, man. Utah's doing it again. I don't know. Gonna be, gonna be weird. Oregon has to play in Salt Lake City now. So we're about to. To see. All right. Well, that's it for our rapid fire. Let's get out of here. Let's end this with some game predictions. All right. Who's got the pick and party update? Grapes, you got I've it. got it. Um, rough week. Jesus Christ. Half of our podcast didn't even fill it out. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, the three best scores this week were four for six being Zach. Good bounce back week for Zach. Jay told 12 and Ted to the Rick. Um, Jay told 12 is the leader on the year so far. So congrats to you. Only um, three people in the whole pick party this week were above 500. And therefore better than Chad's girlfriend's cat, Benzine, who <laughs> participated this week. Um, team by team results on the year or against the spread. Oregon is five and one. Arizona is six and one. Worst against the spread. Cal is two and five and USC is two and five. Overs, USC six and one and unders. Arizona one for six and Utah one for five. Fascinating. So that's where we're at. As for our picking, a bad week for us too. Bad, Holy bad, shit. Bad. Matt did the best going um, three and three rough that's rough when matt beats us because he's in last place um me carlos and reed all went two and four i believe and Mm -hmm. then greg only got one pick right bad bad luck for the guy that picks all favorites so right now carlos is still in the lead with 49 i'm at 44 um reed's at 42 greg at 41 matt at 40 all right. Thank you for that. Let's see how this week goes. Do we have lines for this read? I see you're putting them in, the, in our notes document. We have we have actual lines? We, we have some of them. Those, nice. We have three of the four games we have lines nice. for. Nice. Lovely. Beautiful. All right. Well, we do have a nice little slate of games this week. It's just four merciful games. None of this overlapping shit. Actually, we do get a little over a little bit of overlapping shit, but it's, it's fine. It's good. Uh, we start on Saturday with Wazoo traveling to Eugene to take on Oregon at 1230 Pacific on ABC. Wazoo. Oregon are 16-point favorites over Wazoo. Uh, Avery, who wins, who covers? 
Oregon's covering. Ugh, I hate it. I want to pick Washington State so bad, but it's just not happening. Reed? I just want to get to the other side of Saturday so badly. I need another game to wash the taste out of my mouth. <laughs> I, I have some trust in Oregon uh, at home against a Wazoo team that, that seems to be reeling. So I'll take the Ducks to win and cover, but who the hell knows right now? Yeah, I, uh, I I think I think this is like we said, pivotal game. This is like the most important game of the Dan Landing era, just because it's like, are they going to collapse? Or are they going to are they going to recover? I think Oregon's going to recover. I think they're beat the absolute fuck out of Washington State. I said that I think they're going to beat uh, Washington State by at least twenty one. Frankly, I think they're going to run up the score. Um, I think this is the game where we're like, oh no, Oregon Oregon's pissed off, and and Dan Landing is going to figure some stuff out. Hours later. At 5 p.m. Game of the week right here, I think. Utah travels to L.A. to play USC on Fox. The Trojans are four-point favorites over Utah. Grapes, who wins, who covers? I'm picking Utah to win this game. <laughs> oh, my she God. She said Utah feel, for those who good to hear that. I feel so sick of it. I feel so sick. Utah's winning this game. God, it's in the Coliseum. Utah has only won there once in 100 years. It feels bad. It feels bad. But USC is so bad. And I just can't be on the opposing side of Utah fans when they win this game. It will be too unbearable. So I have to go with Utah. <laughs> I wish the spread was bigger. That kind of sucks. But yeah, go Great. Utah. Reed? Uh, I'm going with USC to win and cover. I think Cole Bishop might be out the first tap of this game unless yep. they get an appeal yep. in. Thanks to some targeting. Yep. I yeah. honestly think the appeal might happen, though, because like on the replay, it did look like he turned his head. But Interesting. Okay. Okay. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, uh, I'm going with USC, hoping this is a jinx. But ultimately, I think they can score enough where Utah on the road can't keep up. Yeah, my principle for Utah games is simply asking, where is this game being played? I, this is the one I feel weird about. Very high-level analysis. This is the one I feel <laughs> weird, really, really weird about. Because I'm like, where is this game being played? It's played in LA. Utah should lose. USC doesn't look great right now. Utah figuring some stuff out as they always do. We're at the point of the season where Utah loses ugly, looks stupid, looks ugly. Ugh, fuck them. They're not going to win. They suck. And then they're going to pull some shit out of their hat. Then they're in the conference championship game. <laughs> they're in the conference Jesus championship Christ. game. My kingdom. Okay, I think it would be, it would be actually funny if utah beats washington in las vegas like it would be so fucking funny i need it eight and four utahs in the conference championship <laughs> for some reason <laughs> Fuck need, up. I'm gonna i pick, need that shit i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with your guns carlos oh my guns. god do I'm it picking, do it for the graphic i'm picking utah I'm gonna no. pick Utah. I'm Fuck picking you. the moose. Change it back. I'm Change it back. I'm picking the moose. I need the Utah fans to like me. God. Oh man, this is. Oh. Change your mind. <sighs> Change Don't give your in, mind. Carlos. Oh, Change going your Utah. mind. Go with Utah. Oh my God. Fuck you, man. <laughs> Just copying me. Seven thirty Pacific. UCLA travels to Palo Alto to play Stanford on ESPN. Reed, who wins? Who? Who? And give me a margin since we don't have a line for this one. I think UCLA probably wins by like 13, maybe. I yeah, don't know. Might yeah, be ugly, ugly, but yeah. 
Grapes, are you are you picking Stanford disease to prevail now? Man, I, did you I was feeling get so good for this whole season about Stanford winning this game, but that was dependent on Stanford looking bad in every single game leading up to this and UCLA winning in every game leading up to this, and that did not happen this week, but I have <laughs> to stick with my guns, and this is my bad vibes game of the week. Oh I, my I, goodness. I need Alec Io Manor to do it again. Yeah, uh, absurd nonsense. I gonna be weird i've got ucla winning this game handily i think but man this is like a this feels like maybe potentially signature turning point for troy taylor so i'm gonna pick ucla to win i'm gonna pick him to win by three scores but don't feel good about it let the record show uh also at 7 30 pacific a bit of a letdown spot here asu travels to seattle to play washington on fs1 washington 28 point favorites against arizona state grapes who wins who covers i want to pick arizona state so bad just because i love arizona state but i've i've done that so many times this season and been hurt by that so i I have to pick washington 28 points is is a lot i think that god their d-line is so bad though i think arizona state will cover okay read yeah i i mean washington's definitely gonna win they're gonna win in the high 20s low 30s i don't know that they'll cover it's close i I don't have a feel on that really but they'll definitely win convincingly yeah i think washington's gonna win i actually think there's a world in which is a little ugly you know they just came off an emotional win over oregon it's like the biggest game at husky stadium in a long time the juice is not going to be the same there's going to be a ton of hype. I do think they're going to come out a little flat. Uh, I don't think I'll, I will fall to Washington much for it. I don't think I'm going to call them an unserious team for letting ASU hang around a little bit, but I think they'll beat. I think they'll beat Arizona State. I think they'll be fine. This TV schedule sucks so bad. Yeah, 12, 5, 7, 30, 7, 30. What am I supposed to do for two hours? Between the 12, 30 game and the 5 p.m. game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go out for a walk, touch grass. Anyway. Anyway. That's it. Another week in the books. Let's get out of here. We're back on YouTube next Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific to recap week eight. Uh, if you want an in-depth preview of this slate of games, go check out our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com. That's going to drop late Wednesday night or Thursday morning. And, of course, be sure to subscribe to the channel to get updates when we go live and to make someone suffer. Uh, and, of course, we'll drop this into your podcast feeds every Monday at 5 a.m. Pacific. We also got basketball season coming up October 25th. Don't remember. Go read the preview on my Twitter page. Twitter page, Twitter account, whatever. Uh, it's pinned. It's a pinned tweet uh, at Equity Burn. Go check that out if you want to know what's going on with basketball. That's it. That's all we have. That's Reed. That's Grapes. I am Carlos. Uh, thank you to for, for joining us live. Why am I having a hard time reading? Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. We will see you next week. And remember, there are no truck stops here. USC is in truck stop territory. Said I'm lonelier than a single sex on a quiet city street. Things aren't always green on the sunny side of the street. Now don't mind if the sun